This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. And the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and today I want to talk about these four teams that made it to both the AFC and the NFC Championship games. And I know those games have ended. We know who's going to the Super Bowl. We know those games weren't <clears throat> necessarily fair by any means. But... What can we learn from these four teams? How did they make it to the AFC and NFC Championship games? And how can that help us build this team as we move forward to give the Packers the best chance to reach the Super Bowl once again in the future? First, all four of these teams could effectively run the football. Now, that doesn't mean these teams didn't run the football more than they should, though. The Chiefs definitely don't run the ball much at all. Honestly, the Eagles don't either. They're one of the uh, least... They're the one of the most pass-happy teams on first and second down this season. So it's not about running the football a ton, but it's when you do run the football. They, these four teams all did it at a 40% success rate or higher, which is top five, top 10 in the NFL. Okay, the Chiefs do this because they have the best trio of interior offensive linemen in the NFL. The Eagles have the best overall offensive line in the NFL. The 49ers have the best offensive tackle in the NFL. He's such a game changer uh, that he has such a wide effect on that entire rushing attack. And so to have a strong running game, you don't need a rushing quarterback. It helps when you have a guy like Jalen Hurts, but you don't need it. And you don't need an elite running back. The Chiefs and Eagles are, uh, don't have one. And these, what these three teams have in common, what these four teams really have in common is a quality offensive line, okay? Uh, the Packers had the chance to build this offensive line, but we we missed out on that. The main reason we missed out on that is because the Packers decided to choose center Josh Myers and Royce Newman, uh, and right guard Royce Newman, instead of Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith like the Chiefs did in the 20. 21 or 2022 NFL draft. The Packers seem to always do a great job at identifying pass blocking offensive linemen, but we never seem to do a great job blocking in front of our very talented duo at running back when it comes to our run blocking. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are tied for fifth with a 92 90.2 overall PFF grade over the last two seasons. Okay. That's the fifth highest in the entire NFL over those two seasons. That's how good these two guys have been. We have had our success. We've actually had the fifth best success rate running the football in 2022, which is, it, it's very impressive. But if Aaron Jones isn't on this team, okay, age catches up to him or he gets hurt, that could easily change next season because Aaron Jones was so good as a runner. He made up for the lack of our effectiveness actually running the football. The Packers have a solid offensive line. But it can always get better. JRJ 
He's in the last year of his rookie contract. He was a terrible run blocker this year. Good pass blocker throughout his career, though. Um, JRJ could be a guy we want to prepare to have be leaving this team come the 2024 season. And the Packers might be best off trying to draft his replacement early on in this draft, as the offensive line is one of the stronger parts of this otherwise weak 2023 draft class. There's already a few veteran late-round center prospects that fascinate me as well, possible replacements for Josh Myers, who finished 2022 in his second year as the 28th ranked center in the NFL. Uh, And these are all of all the centers in the entire NFL that played 20% of their team snaps this season. Josh Myers ranked 28th. Okay. So another place the Packers could definitely, um, they can get by it currently with Josh Myers, but also it's a place where we should be looking to upgrade. And what having a good offensive line does is it gives you a baseline, a positive play. Your offense will be at least this good. If you have a quality offensive line, uh, you've seen in the past when teams get to a point where their offensive line is just that bad, their their floor is it lowers and it lowers and it lowers. We saw that the Dolphins last year. We've seen that honestly, the Bengals they got by throughout the playoffs, and they yeah they could have had a chance to win this game anyways. But when they faced one elite player in Chris Jones, that whole it looked like the whole thing fell apart for them. And that's what happens when you don't have a good offensive line. And so, uh, but the second thing that I thought I learned from, as I looked at these four, uh, championship teams is what makes your offense have a higher ceiling is the, the chance to be a truly special elite type of offense is having several weapons you can rely on. Okay. And all four of these teams have several major weapons for their offense. The Bengals, they have T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. The 49ers have Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brad Nayuk, Debo Samuel. The Chiefs, they have lots of wide receivers they can trust. They all kind of do their own thing, plus Travis Kelsey. And then the Eagles have Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. If you want to win in today's NFL, you have to have tons of weapons, as many weapons as you can find, honestly. What this does is it forces defenses to not be able to just simply double cover a guy like what just happened in the past to the Packers when the Packers had Devontae Adams. It forces teams to play a lot of zone defense, and when teams play zone defense, they can't really blitz very often. And when teams aren't blitzing, it's more likely your QB is safe in the pocket with plenty of time to throw. Plus, when you have teams with multiple receivers who are weapons for you, it forces defenses to have at least five defensive backs on the field and usually two linebackers. This nickel defense tends to be easier to run against than the team's typical base defense. So when it comes to this offseason, whether or not Aaron Rodgers was is on this football team or not, I think it would be wise to invest on the offensive side of the football as much as you can because your offense drives your football team. And the thing about offensive players like receivers, offensive linemen, and running backs, they are as good as ever coming into the league right now. These guys are ready to play from day one. They can make an immediate impact as rookies and can save you tons of money in the process getting these guys on rookie contracts instead of trying to find these guys on the free agent market. And that's the third thing and is so, so important is you need to invest in positions in the draft that can save you the most money in the draft, most notably QBs, wide receivers, edge rushers, offensive tackles. QB is obvious. It's it's how most teams can go from terrible to Super Bowl contact contending. Look at the teams in the playoffs right now. Brock Purdy, rookie contract. Jalen Hurts, uh, rookie contract. Joe Burrow, 
rookie contract. When you find a rookie QB good enough, you can spend money on every other part of your roster and have so many assets to build around your team. Unless you are paying for an elite QB or a QB that you got for a bargain price but is good enough like Geno Smith this last season, which is unlikely to ever find, that's the fastest, best way to honestly get to a Super Bowl. It's proven for years now. This is why drafting Jordan Love, when you knew Rodgers wanted to play at least three more seasons, there was no reason why he, uh, why Rodgers was not going to keep playing football. And so that pick was just a waste because the Packers were paying for the best QB in the league while also investing top draft capital in the QB who would just sit on your bench. This is why even if Jordan Love can be this team's QB this season and do well, it doesn't matter because we'll most likely have a $40 million dead cap hit, which will make it almost impossible to add any final pieces to build around him in free agency to make this team Super Bowl ready. Again, this is why unless the Packers truly believe Jordan Love is elite, then it would be fine to trade him next offseason because if he isn't a top eight QB in the league, then it's not worth paying him a huge price and not having the money to get quality players around him to actually make this a Super Bowl roster. Okay, because MVP top four type of quarterbacks, they lift the rest of their roster. That's what Rodgers has done and tried to do for years. And he's done a great job at that for the most part. But these other quarterbacks, these mediocre quarterbacks, these 8 to 20 range type of quarterbacks, they don't lift your roster. You need the roster to lift them. So, And then moving on to these other important positions I mentioned. If you look at just veterans, not rookies, uh, but veteran contracts okay, throughout the NFL and you average those out, okay, left tackles make on average 1.39 times more than the average left veteran non-left tackle. Right tackle makes 1.12 times more. And so you're going to notice these numbers as they start to decline. These four positions I told you about are the only positions uh, other than quarterback that are more than the average veteran player. Okay. And so you want to invest in them. So let's, let's keep going. So investing in your offense line is very important because of the money you save from not paying for one on a veteran price tag. Okay. Cause rookies are making a, a, a standard amount. And if you're trying to get an offensive lineman on the free agent market, you're going to have to overspend, especially at offensive tackle. Like I just said, same with edge rushers who make 1.28 times more on average than your veteran free agent. Okay. Right now though, I believe this last position, receivers are the most underrated position in football, and the draft is still not valuing them as high as they should. Receivers, now more than ever, are coming into the league ready to play and have an impact from day one. And now, the receiver market, when receivers go to the market, go to free agency to sign their new contracts, these contracts are now insanely high, higher than any other position in football right now, after last offseason, when Tyree Kill signed his $30 million deal, um, similar to Devontae Adams, signed a very similar type of deal, this position at receiver is now the most valuable on a per-play basis on wins added, but now is also becoming the highest-paid position other than quarterback. You know, think about players like Christian Kirk, a solid receiver. Okay, he had a good year for Jacksonville, but he's a he's a solid receiver. He's 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 good, right? But he makes $18 million a year. Okay, not including the incentives on his contract. That's more than both Trey Hendrickson and Zedari Smith, who are top eight pass rushers this season. The receiver market is blowing up out of proportion, and new free agents will want to match those types of deals that are out there. 
So drafting receivers is a must to save money and get the largest impact from those players on their rookie contracts when it comes to their on-the-field play, which is why most of my research thus far in the NFL draft has come down to finding the best receivers I can because of the money we save and getting the most weapons possible at the very same time. The third major thing we can learn on top of that is having an elite tight end or someone who can win in the middle of the field and can consi- and constantly beat linebackers, safeties and coverage in man coverage, and then is fast enough and big enough to take advantage and be a safety blanket against zone coverage. The f- okay, that's what that is so so helpful to your offense. It's not a, it's not it's not essential, but if you have it, oh my gosh, it helps a ton. The 49ers, they have George Kittle. The Eagles have Dallas Goddard, and the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey. The Bengals had Hayden Hurst. Nothing serious though, but the Bengals do have T Higgins, who is like a 6'4", 225 pound, kind of like a tight end for them at times. So he can win in the middle of the field with his large frame. These guys are huge, so helpful as a safety blanket and to be a part of your passing attack and aren't total liabilities as run blockers either. During Robert Tunyon's best season, where he led the NFL in touchdown catches, that was Rodgers' safety blanket. That was the guy who could make the catches down the seam. That was one of Rodgers' best seasons. It was amazing. Rodgers has had that for one year with Tunnin and about two years with Jermichael Finley, and never again. Our offense has not had someone like that ever except that one year with Tunyon and those two years with Finley. All these top teams have this weapon who is a legit threat. They're hard to find, but if you think you can get one, it's essential to, and I have my finger on a few in this draft that I think could utterly change an entire offense and all four of these final four teams. Okay. Had top 10 success rates on plays in 12 personnel, meaning these teams actually use two tight ends. And in those packages, their plays were successful at some of the highest rates in the NFL. Most teams run their offense through 11 personnel. That's three receivers, one tight end, but these teams also have found two capable tight ends that allow their team to be successful in 12 personnel as well, which defenses aren't as ready to stop in today's NFL personnel-wise. And so having quality tight ends who are multiple are so important to your offense. The fourth thing we've talked about before, but don't invest in a running back unless they are game changers at receiver, okay? Christian McCaffrey, okay? He is one of a kind. He was traded to the 49ers. The 49ers made a huge move to get this guy. I think a second, third, and fourth. They went all in. Why would they do that for a running back? Well, because McCaffrey is not just a running back. He's a receiver. According to PFF, if you include all receivers, all running backs this season uh, who had at least 20% of their target share, Christian McCaffrey was the highest graded receiving. He had the highest grade at receiver when it comes to his receiving grade in the entire NFL. He had a 92.3 grade. That's higher than Tyree Kill. Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson. And it wasn't just on a few plays, okay, that spiked his grade. No, Christian McCaffrey had 112 targets on the season, and that doesn't even count the amount of touches he got running the football. He ran the ball 269 times this year. That's an insane amount of workload, and he was effective doing it. No one's, no one thought that trade was a good, a good move at the time, but looking back, it it kind of was a good move. And if you can invest in a running back who can be an elite pass catcher as well, if he had to be, like, this is the the question you have to ask yourself. Okay, if all of your receivers were hurt and you needed him to play slot receiver for your team all the snaps this week, could he do that? And then that player 
honestly might be worth for worth a first round pick than if he's a running back. And Christian McCaffrey is that player. He's a unicorn in what he does. And you shouldn't be probably searching for unicorns, but if the right guy comes by who can add what Christian McCaffrey can add to your football team, it might actually be worth it to grab him with how important it is to have pass catchers now for your team and just weapons in general. These guys don't come by very often, but if they do, they should be worth a first round pick. Okay. And based off my limited tape I've watched thus far, um, there's one guy in this draft I had to take my take a look at. Um, B. John Robinson. Okay. He is Texas running back, one of the biggest, honestly, the biggest prospect at running back since that Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, those types of guys. But even they didn't have the running effectiveness that Bijan Robinson did in college. Bijan reminds me of the next Adrian Peterson, honestly, when I watch him. And that's awesome. Adrian Peterson was an amazing player who held the Minnesota Vikings up for years. Okay. But I'm not sure he could be the next Christian McCaffrey. Okay. He is nowhere near near the receiving grades that Christian McCaffrey had for multiple seasons in college. Um, Bijan has the rushing grade that's insanely high. Okay like AP, but I don't think he can add what Christian McCaffrey can add. And so I'm not sure how I feel about investing in a first round pick to get him. Cause I think that's what you're gonna have to do. If you're going to want to draft Bijan Robinson, uh, this year. So something to think about, but if that guy ever did come, I think he could be worth a first round pick. Fifth thing I found is with these four teams is they signed veteran defensive players. Uh, cause I think those are guys can be huge for helping your defense in today's NFL because to be a capable defense in today's NFL, to hold up to these amazing well-run offenses, offenses to do that, you have to be able to run a defense. Okay. That can do lots of things very well, but by doing several things very well, by mixing up your coverages and what you're asking your defenders to do, you have to be smart and intelligent and to be smart and intelligent. A lot of the time on defense, it just takes practice. It takes time. And so signing these guys as veterans could be the best way to get your defense to play well. This is especially important for defensive backs. Think about the impact that Adrian Amos has had on this Packers defense for years as a free agent coming in. He was the most one of the most valuable safeties in the NFL, not counting this year. Von Bell for the Bengals at a contract of just $6 million a year. The Vikings signing Patrick Peterson for just $4 million. You can find these defensive backs who have experience. They're smart. They can play multiple types of coverages. And because they aren't having to think about what they are doing, they can play fast, which many rookies can struggle with at times. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense. Even Devondre Campbell, he took, you know, I think he was in the NFL for five years before he landed in Green Bay. And that was the time he needed to get smart enough to get to understand all these types of things and get him in the right position to play. And he comes in and he has a great season for the Packers. And that's kind of the sixth thing for me is save money always. Uh, so save money, like have a savings account with your salary cap. So you always have money available to be able to sign bargain deals late in the free agent market to fill out your roster. There are tons of great signings that happen every single year, late in free agency or deals that just really paid off for not too high of a cost. You think about it, Vikings signing Patrick Peterson, like I said, for $4 million. James Bradbury was cut really late in the process. Almost no teams could afford Bradbury except the Eagles. They had room for him. They had, they had salary cap space, and so the Eagles signed Bradbury for just $5 million. These Bradbury, Patrick Peterson, okay, these were top 20 cornerbacks in the NFL this year for just a fraction of the market value cost. 
And there's tons of more deals like that. Melvin Ingram, edge rusher for the Dolphins, two and a half million. Kaiser White, a starting linebacker for the Eagles, one million. Linebacker, Leighton Van Der Esch, just two million. Packers signing Devondre Campbell late last season for just two million. And he ended up thriving in our defense to become the best linebacker in football. Okay. The Eagles signing both Nadamik and Sue and Linval Joseph in week 10. These are moves you need to have money ready to spend on these guys late in the process who are quality players who can have a huge impact for your team. And if not, they barely cost any money anyways. It's it's little risk with a chance at a very high reward. The more of these guys you sign, the more of these lottery tickets you take, same with the draft, the higher chance you get one of them to pay off one of them to have a great season or maybe they all have above average season still that helps your team out significantly i get you want to give younger players rookies and young uh these young guys opportunities to play opportunities to develop but if they aren't ready or if they just aren't going to be anything significant then cut your losses get someone in there who can play and help your team win games this season and if these guys play well then they go and sign a big contract next offseason that's okay because the following year your team will get compensated for that that's the point of the compensatory picks um that you get draft picks back in return for free from the nfl if your guys go and sign big contracts with other teams it's the smartest move you can make for your team to sign these guys to one-year deals prove it types of deals and then they go out and make a huge contract that's awesome for your team that's the best thing you could ask for and so the sixth and the final thing is to take advantage of desperate NFL teams. And this was mostly done by the Eagles this season. And now look, it's got them to a Super Bowl. Okay. The Eagles last year, they had they they had three major general manager moves that took advantage of desperate NFL teams. The first was the Eagles traded back with the Saints to get a haul so the Saints could draft one of the top receivers in the draft. This deal resulted in the Eagles getting the Saints first round pick in the 2023 NFL draft, which has now become the 10th overall pick in the draft. The Eagles could win the Super Bowl and at the very same time have a top 10 pick in this draft. This is huge because the Eagles jumped on a team giving up way too much to draft a player they loved. You always want to be on that side of the trade, okay? Because you're betting on the fact that the team will not have as much success as they think they will and that you're going to get a great pick in next year's draft at the very same time. Okay, similar to the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson to the Broncos, the Broncos were desperate for a quarterback. They had a deal set up to get Aaron Rodgers that fell through, and because of that, they sent the same deal over to Seattle. This trade resulted in the Seahawks making the playoffs while still having the fifth pick overall in the draft, which is insane. When the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers, they have to get the best deal they can, and they need to trade him to the worst team possible because we need to be thinking of future draft capital, and we need to be able to figure out which of these teams that wants to trade for Rodgers could struggle the most and possibly even miss the playoffs and result in the Packers getting quality draft capital back in return to help us possibly find our next franchise quarterback. The second move the Eagles made, they traded one of their first-round picks to the Titans for a disgruntled number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown. The Titans didn't want to pay A.J. Brown wide receiver one money. It's expensive. And the Eagles took advantage of that and got the sixth best receiver in football on honestly a fair deal. Okay, that was such a good move because not only that, but they A.J. Brown was still on his rookie contract. He had one more year left. That means this year he was still super cheap. Next year is the first year of his new extension. That's going to be fairly cheap. So they're not even paying him big money for three more seasons, okay? This is an awesome move that any team could have afforded to make. It's just the Eagles are the one that took advantage of it. 
And that was an amazing move. And that's a huge reason, probably the biggest reason why, or the third reason why they got to the Super Bowl. Okay. The third major move was very similar. The Saints were desperate to create cap space, traded a Pro Bowl safety on their roster who is still on his rookie contract, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, for like a fifth-round pick. This Eagles team had so many holes. They were without a number one wide receiver. They they were without a starting cornerback. They were without a starting safety. And they added all these guys through trades and veteran players just from taking advantage of these desperate teams, the Saints twice, the Titans once, and then the Giants once even. The Giants had limited cap space. They were in this hole from the department before the general manager left them in this entire terrible salary cap pickle. And so they cut James Bradbury in the offseason and they got their starting cornerback at the very same time, a starting cornerback, a starting safety, a starting receiver. Okay. From all of these desperate teams who have are in these bad situations. Okay. And then last year in the 2021 NFL draft. Okay. This is not this season, but this is another great example. The Eagles. Okay. They, the the Dolphins in that draft, they wanted Jalen Waddle really, really bad. And the Eagles, you know, they looked at their scouting, okay? The, um, they were like, hey, yeah, we're probably not going to get Jalen Waddle if we trade back, but we still like Devontae Smith a lot. Okay, not as much, but you know what? I might not be right. A lot of the time, I'm not right, okay? Um, and what I've found is desperate teams, okay? that are trying to go all in or believe in their scouting department too much, okay? They're the ones that usually make mistakes, okay? What Howie Roseman did, the general manager for the Eagles, is he believes, hey, I believe my scouting, but I'm not so stuck to my priors, to my beliefs, that I'm not going to take the best deal possible, okay? And here he's like, hey, these two guys, I think they're both going to be really good football players. Um, I have the opportunity to gain more draft picks, especially major draft picks. I'm going to take those deals and get two chances rather than one. And that's just so, so smart. And the Eagles trade back from six to 12. They still get a great number two wide receiver, Devontae Smith, but that at the same time, gain that extra first round pick for this year. And that first round pick is the one they use to trade for AJ Brown in the first place. Okay. The Eagles are so smart at what they do. And the Packers need to run their franchise the same way moving forward. The Packers are tight financially. I get that. But if we can run our franchise the way we should be able to, we should be able to trade Aaron Rodgers for the best package possible. Maybe we trade him to the Colts. We get the number four overall pick and a 2023 first round pick, but we use that number four overall pick to be ready to trade back with the Panthers at number nine get their 2023 first round pick as well and and then be ready to trade up in the future. That would give the Packers three first round picks in the 2024 NFL draft to help rebuild this team. Just that, for example, might be the best way to go for the most draft capital possible. Who knows? Or maybe we trade Rodgers to the Jets. We get a couple major players back in return. We get the Denzel Mims, Mackay Becton, Bryce Huff. These are players the Jets are hoping would re- really take big jumps next up next season and at Rodgers age how much success could the Jets offense have if they can't put a decent offensive line in front of Aaron Rodgers okay and if that's truly the case and the Jets had a bottom 10 offensive line in the NFL Rodgers and the Jets could not only struggle to win the division but probably even the play get to the playoffs which would guarantee the Packers a top 18 pick in the NFL draft next year as well then there's other major moves ready to be made as well 
What if a major team like the 49ers lose Christian McCaffrey to injury? Or the Eagles, the Bills, the Bengals, these teams that are in a Super Bowl window lose their starting running back. Can you trade Aaron Jones for away for a third-round pick in 2024? What if the Cowboys or the Dolphins keep losing offense tackles? Could you trade away Josh Nijman, someone who has shown he can be a capable, capable starting offensive tackle to a team for a third-round pick? The Packers are already settled at offense tackle. They have Bakhtiari. They have Zach Tom. They even have backups they really like. Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones. Okay, so we can make moves like that. What if Preston Smith starts the year playing well and the team needs an edge rusher? Maybe the Packers can get a third-round pick for him. These are moves the Packers have to take advantage of for players that will be leaving our team in 2024 anyways and get those get that draft capital for them since they will be leaving the following season offseason anyways unless this Packers team is doing very well like they have only lost one game and they're six and one but if this team is three and three at that point these are players who the Packers could move on from or even if the season hasn't started yet and it's the day before final cuts these are guys you trade away prior to the season starting because these guys are all capable starters who could help a team but if the Packers have players they can rely on already you move on from these guys and get the draft capital moving forward take advantage of needy teams trying to win super bowls and get the best draft capital you can from these players you will be moving on from the following season anyways so these four teams they did it right okay they they set up their running game incredibly well that doesn't mean they ran the ball just to run the ball, but they ran it when it made the most sense, okay? And that was due to, honestly, most of the time, a very strong offensive line, okay? These guys invested in weapons on offense. You got to invest in offense. That's what I keep hearing over and over again. And they're investing in positions that matter, quarterbacks, receivers, edge rushers, offensive tackles in the early rounds of the NFL, that NFL draft. That's so important because where the market's at right now, especially receiver, it is crazy, crazy high. So if you can get those guys on rookie contracts, that's what you have to do. If you can find an elite tight end, you get one, okay? If there's an elite pass-catching running back who can also run the ball very well, you get him, okay? And you you use free agency, okay? You use free agency to fill out your defense, okay? That's what free agency should be about, filling in the gaps. Don't try to rely on rookies on defense. Probably accept honestly on edge rusher okay but get these veteran linebackers get these veteran safeties get these veteran cornerbacks cornerbacks maybe you can't afford i get that but you get veterans in those other major positions to fill out your defense because you just have to be so smart nowadays and then you have to save money okay you have to have money available to sign bargain deals because there's so many bargain deals that go out there go on out there every single year it makes me so mad and these guys sign for tiny contracts, and they usually pays off big time for teams. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was like $1 million. It was, that's like a quarter, it's like less than half a percent now of your salary cap space. And then you have to be ready to take advantage of desperate NFL teams, okay? And now with the Packers probably trading away Aaron, Joe, Aaron Rodgers, we're not a desperate NFL team. And so we can take advantage of those that are. So that's all we have today, folks. If you have not already, make sure to subscribe. Give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks, guys.